If you have your Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, and that'll be chapter 9, and we'll get to that here in a moment. But today's a special day, and uh, always the first reason for that being the Lord's Day. It's also a day that He's made, and I, for one, am, am glad for this one. Uh, just to be able to have some folks to actually look at. This is the first in 13 weeks that we've had more than just a handful of people. Uh, it takes about two upstairs, and David, a vocalist, an usher, security volunteer, myself. That's about the skeleton crew. And for a while, it was odd trying to get used to looking at that camera in the back. Uh, so now I have to share you with the camera mindful of the fact that most of us are still in their living rooms and watching. But uh, a lot of good things in life are, are, are just that. Um, they're, they're equal parts anxious and exciting. And this transitional period between uh, when we're all like we were in February is going to take some time. And uh, for those... Uh, watching as well as in here, watch your, your inboxes for an email tomorrow morning with details on how we're going to organize ourselves around next week. And uh, there's a lot of things to, to be mindful of, a lot of planning's gone into it. You'll need those details. And uh, it won't answer every question. I don't know that any one email can. Call the office if you have any more. But another reason why this is an important Sunday, and it had been planned to be this Sunday for some time, and that is that this is the Sunday we recognize our graduates. And uh, I thought I would, would say to begin with, you know, I don't know if you realize it, you graduates, that there is this massive amount of uh, sympathy coming from all directions for you, as graduates, this year specifically. And uh, there's this long, I guess, laundry list of all these things that you've, you've missed out on in regard to others. And I thought it'd probably be best for me to just go ahead and confess right up front. I don't know what any of them are talking about. I was homeschooled. I didn't have a graduation at all. I didn't have one to miss. Um, and I thought, I better say that up front just so you know that I'm, I'm struggling in some ways to be able to identify with you. Um, I remember once sitting in the car listening to the Beach Boys, Be True to Your School, and realizing it meant a lot more to my daddy than it meant to me. Not just because it was a song that was on the radio when he was in school, but because he had a school to go to. Um, it was one afternoon, and I had come home from the uh, Olive Hill Pool. That's what it was. That's not where I worked. I was on a waiting list to sub at the pool because I needed some experience points for Florida where I was headed to college where you didn't only just pay tuition, you had to work for free during the week. And I figured if I'm going to work for free, I better do it by the pool. So I got certified by the Red Cross to be a lifeguard and had gone to the pool uh, to get some hours. 
And when I got home, Dad handed me this, this envelope, and Mom started humming Pomp and Circumstance. And I uh, went through the kitchen drawer and got a knife and opened it up, and that was my graduation. And then I made myself a sandwich because I missed dinner. And uh, I think I might have got two bites done before Dad said, if you want to get that done before dark, you better get on that yard. And that was basically it. So uh, in some ways, I envy you because you know things I don't know about. But it is a tough spot. And uh, watching from the outside, uh, I, th I think I understand why we make a big deal out of things like graduation. Because it's a mile marker. We like to keep track of our progress. It, it, it's the end of one chapter, a lengthy chapter, a 12-year chapter of your education. And then there's this next chapter. And th there's some... Uh, transition between those two a lot changes um, I didn't need to not miss or go to high school to know that a lot changes when you leave home for college and I would guess and uh, I don't I, I don't know these things for sure this is my speculation that maybe a lot of that attention um, is from your mother's and other mothers because they keep track of a lot of these things a lot more than the rest of us do they're better at that stuff they keep up with firsts and lasts have a lot harder time with the lasts and what's sad about this is a lot of those lasts for this chapter got deleted actually they didn't have time to even pay attention to. I doubt the last day you were in school you thought that was going to be your last day in school a lot of those decisions were made quickly over the weekend, and then you thought, well, a couple of weeks, we'll be back, and we'll get all... And you didn't go back. And add that to a long list of lasts that your parents have been working on since you were a child. Uh, perhaps when it's time that you're a parent yourself, and if your dad looking over at mom... You're kind of helpless when you see it come over in a wave and you realize that we must have just had another last. But they know the first time you called them mommy and they know the last time you called them mommy and traded that out for just mom. So this is rough on them. And this is no substitute for what the, the school hoped to provide for you. Uh, we wouldn't dare even attempt to do that. But... As your church, this is something we can do. And uh, I'm getting started with this. This is kind of weird for me, too. This is the first time I've been able to put a message together targeted for a group that's less than half my age. It makes me feel old. That and our oldest now uh, will be... She's been in the youth group, you know, one year. We've got one that, that's coming up. And all this starts to, to uh, bring in ideas of what it might be like. And the truth is, our oldest, Olivia, has been leaving us since the 28th of December, 2006, the day she was born. Can't stop time. But I think the healthy way, the correct way to look at these things is to look at 
the grief, and it's probably correct to call some of this grief. This year has been hard on everybody. But it's not without its moments of gratitude as well. Mix those two together. And, and you might feel like you swing between the two, not just daily, but um, you know, by the moment, between grief and gratitude. Yes, there was a last, but that opens the door for a first. And, and it's a perfect time to start checking yourself with some of the things we say to try to make things better when really gratitude would, would change all that. Like, like saying, these are the best days of your life. If your parents tell you that, then ask them, what happened when I came along? Am I the reason why those were the best days of your life? No, the best days are yet to come. The days where you decide and determine and are convinced that you've found somebody that you can't spend the rest of your life without. You put yourself out there with something on the level of a marriage proposal. And you pray to the Lord that he'll confirm it. And the ones that you love most will say, yes, this is what you should do. And then there comes the day where the two of you are introduced to someone that's half of both of you. And the Lord gives you this brand new life and says, you bring it up. I trust you with it. Those are really good parts of your life. You've yet to see. You probably aren't really thinking about that right now, but that's on the horizon. As you close chapters, you open chapters. As you say goodbye, you say hello. All of these things are part of life, and we need to make sure we understand it's both grief and gratitude. Here's what I want to do today. And... Uh, I like to balance this message between first a caution from Scripture, something to pay attention to, actually in the form of a warning, and then a charge, which is basically an admonition. Um, put it simplistically, uh, don't do that, do this uh, from your pastor as explained in Scripture. This isn't a 45-minute exposition on these passages of Scripture. I'm much more comfortable doing that, taking a passage, explaining what it means, and then telling you how we should obey this. I'm not too good when I have to come up with the topic and then try to steer the direction of the, the message itself rather than letting the text do it. But certain circumstances, I think, that's fitting. And uh, it's not... The rule, it's rather an exception. But this is for the purpose of bringing the word of God to bear on the circumstances you presently find yourselves in. Be those circumstances as they may. Let me read to you from Jeremiah 9. This is verse 23 and 24. I'll read this and then we'll pray. And we'll make some notes. The prophet Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord... Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these, these things I delight, declares the Lord. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, for its truth, its eternal meaning, the fact that every word of our Bibles is profitable and inspired. Lord, may we make full use of it and treasure it for what it is. We thank you for Graduate Sunday, for graduations, unique as this one may be. Bless these graduates and their future and our time together here in this space and time. And Lord, we ask that you bless our nation, our culture. We pray for mercy. We pray for guidance, wisdom, humility. Lord, pray for forgiveness. We ask that you would teach us what needs to be learned. But Lord, for now, may we, may we learn from this passage. And may we do that for your name's sake, your honor, and your glory. Amen. This is addressed to Hebrews. You're not Hebrews. And this was a long time ago, and this is today. So some of this is different, but most of it's the same. The contents of this verse is really timeless. What we've got is a group of people that had looked to themselves for their significance. And they're being told by the prophet that that's, that's wrong. They were wrong in this way. They're, they're being challenged not to boast in their wisdom or their strength or their riches. And, and that's not the first time this had happened. You could go back to the Garden of Eden and see the contents of this verse when a couple's looking at a tree that that's, looks like it's good for food. It's desired to make them wise. They've been told not to, but this looks good for me. They've boasted in themselves rather than trusted in God. You go on to the New Testament and you find... Uh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. You see these three ingredients over and over and over again. And it's really just standard equipment for people apart from their God to be boastful in these things. I think it's no stretch at all. I think the shoe fits fine to say that America and our culture has, has actually probably improved on the ability to boast and strut in these things. And up until a few months ago, uh, we were wide open in that regard. We've applied the brakes here lately, not by our own choosing, but because we just can't do what we want to do. Um, and it's really shaken up quite a few things. But look at this old verse. I, I think there's a lot here for us. If we've boasted in these things, then just as these folks had done wrong, we're doing wrong too. And we're given the answer of what to do in trade in the second verse. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understand and knows me. Boast in your knowledge of the one who made you. That's something worth boasting in. And not only that, but to know who he is. And how he is and how he acts and what's his, his character and his personality. It's laid out there for us. He practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness. 
That's the man we should be boasting in. Not these other things that don't last. Now these are good things, and that's what you've got to be careful of. We, we can't um, demonize riches. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just when we put them in front of God and boast about them instead of God. That, that's when we get off track. Same with our strength. Same, which is basically our, 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 our youth. In this way, most of the room envies you graduates. I do. Twice your age. I don't feel like I did when I was your age. I wish I did, but I don't. And I can't really change it. I could exercise. spend a lot of time trying to get back in shape. There's nothing I can do with this arm that doesn't work since I had surgery on it. I couldn't throw a grenade far enough not to die from it. Maybe if I kicked it. Maybe if I just ran. I, I'm not sure. But this, the, that just to say that these are temporary. And the studies have shown that those who have more as far as resources aren't necessarily happy. And the same is true with academics. And a lot of, of what's tied up in graduation and then college, again, is your education. More and more understanding, and that's a good thing. And it'd be a sin for you to do less than your best in that regard. But it's not what you should boast in. That's not why you're on this planet. Uh, some would say, well, you don't need a college degree to be used of God. That's true. It's just as goofy to say, he prefers to use my ignorance. No, you study hard. You work hard. You provide for your families. You take care of your bodies. These are things that should be part of your life, but they're not everything. That's what this verse means. Don't put them in front of your Creator. So the problem here is to make sure we're all clear with it. When you've made the gifts that God has given you, and that's what those things are, the basis for your significance, which is what the world's going to tell you to do, it's just the way it works. That's what this world puts all the attention on. And this is where, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I, I wish you could have been in on the process of trying to put together this message. Because there's a lot I cut out. Last night I cut out a whole lot of it. I had looked up the contents of graduation speeches over time. and it, it, the, the good ones are really old. The new ones are, are getting goofy. The, the, the stuff that, that, that important, dignified, educated men in nice-looking robes will tell graduates. Things like, uh, I wrote some of them down. You can be whatever you want to be. I want to be able to throw a grenade far enough away that it won't kill me. I can't. This arm's bad. And, and there's, there's no amount of, uh, you know, you can do anything you set your mind to. I can set my mind for that. It's still not going to work. There are limits to those things. And they sound good in a graduation speech. One of the ones that I think is probably the most dangerous of all is you should always believe in yourself. Well, what about Jeremiah 17, 9? That the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It will lie to you and steer you in exactly the wrong direction or um, you know, anybody remember kid president you remember him he'd do motivational speeches and y'all actually know about kid president 
Because he was the one that said, you know, uh, take it from that journey dude. Don't stop believing. And then he said, unless your dream is stupid. And then get a new one. But always go for your dreams. You will have many dreams. Don't give up your imagination and your wonder. For some reason, as we grow older, we get cynical and we forget what it's like to, to just be enamored with something as simple as something that grows or something that God created or goofy things that kids say. Hang on to that. But as far as following dreams and ignoring the rest of the world and everyone else who has dreams too, that's not what we should be doing. If someone takes what God's given them and makes that the basis for their significance, then what they've done is actually become self-absorbed. And our culture is really good at feeding self-absorption. But here's the tragic part of it. Because all these things are temporary, the self-absorbed person winds up later in life as a blob of self-pity because they didn't get what they wanted or what they put all their eggs in the basket of went away, including things like graduation. Choose not to be a victim of this stuff. You couldn't plan it. Nobody planned it. Make the best out of it. You'll remember it. This graduation cycle will be remembered far more than any of the others, even if it's for dumb stuff like trying to find toilet paper. But we won't forget this one. So what does it say? Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. So don't boast in stuff you shouldn't boast in. Boast in the knowledge you have of your Creator. That's the caution. Here's your admonition. This is another verse. Turn with me to Micah 6. And this is uh, right after the book of Jonah. You might even have your bookmark from a couple weeks ago when we were in Jonah. Micah's after Jonah and right before Nahum. It's short. You can skip right over it. Especially in that part of your Bible where the pages stick together. So this is Micah 6, 8. And it starts out like this. He has told you... O man, not old man, but O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? Well, that sounds like a good setup. You're fixing to find out what the Lord expects of you. But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Now, two of those ingredients are the same as the previous passage we looked at as far as justice and, and love of kindness. Both of those we see on display in the character of God. Where, where, do, where does ultimate justice reside? In, in God's character. That we even know anything about it is because of Him. We didn't invent these things on our own. These are timeless. They're eternal. They were given to us when we were made in God's image. And we are told here in this verse that it's good. That God has assigned the definition to these things, justice and kindness, as something that is good. It's not bad, it's good. Invest in this, use this. And then the verse is completed with, and to walk humbly with your God. It's a question mark there. Is not that not what he expects? That we walk humbly. 
Now, the reason why I paired these two together is because that is the perfect contrast to go with what we were told not to do, to boast. And gifts that were given to us by God to be used and are important, but they're not the significance God is looking for. To walk humbly with your God. I did deliberate quite a bit on certain parts of this. And uh, I would like to think that I'm not the only one who's lived past the last two weeks who doesn't know what to say. But I feel like in the 41 years I've lived and out of the last 20 or so where I actually paid attention to anything, where I in a space and time where that right there might be the best posture we could assume. America's in need of some humility. That would do us all a lot of good. It's the opposite of that boastful attitude. And I'm not seeing much humility on display Maybe more here recently, just because we've had to pump the brakes. But it's described here not only as good, but what the Lord requires. And justice and loving kindness are both part of the characteristic of the God we're supposed to know and walk humbly with. It's those characteristics that these verses display as far as the one we're to walk humbly with. We're to walk humbly with the God who loves justice and loves kindness. In this verse, we're to do justice and love kindness. The problem we find ourselves in, the problem that you graduates woke up in, you share this world, same as the rest of us, and a world that I don't think is anywhere near the world the way it was when, when I was where you are, and that was just a couple of decades ago, that we didn't have social media. You, you weren't pressed to say something, to jump on a side, to say it before the other guy says it, or to shout down the guy who said what he shouldn't have said. It's, it's maddening sometimes, and the pressure that, 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 that's put on there. I bought my first cell phone with my own money when I was in college. They, they didn't really exist. They were about that big, you know, and, and when I was in high school. And uh, when, I, when I signed up for that thing, you had to press hard on the white copy and the yellow copy was under that and then the pink copies on the bottom and Altel kept that one. And then they mailed you your bill and you mail a check back. I had to get a checking account to get my first phone. It's just a different place. But what happened over the last two weeks didn't happen out of a vacuum and it's not unprecedented in our culture and we're embarrassed by it. And there are times where we think we're behind it but then it comes back. And this isn't this time. I don't feel like something... You know how when a hurricane comes up the coast and we're like, oh no, we don't know where it's going to land and then we find out that it might land somewhere else. It lands on somebody else, and before you know it, it's out of our mind. We're not really worried about it. This, this one feels like it's landing on everyone now. And I think it might be different this time because 
you know, in, in generations past and, and in people's lives or my parents' lives when they were growing up, you didn't hear about it at all. And if you did, it was distant. And then there's history books, and those are old, and there might be pictures. This was a video that everybody could watch. And we all watched a guy with his hands in his pockets and his knee on somebody's neck. And other men making sure that no one interfered while other folks urged this to stop. And it didn't stop until the man was dead. And it shouldn't require that we watch it in order to grieve, but we've now seen it. And upsetting is not the word for it. And we don't even feel like we've got room or time to grieve before we're, we're, we're asked of our opinion and which side of this that we're going to be on. And it's confusing and it's awful. And it's where we live and there's a reason for it. Our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We can't know them. They'll lie to us. We're sinners. Given enough time, we'll eventually destroy each other. Because we're all in this for ourselves. And if this doesn't show us that and teach us things about ourselves, I don't know what hope there is. I went to the beach last week. It was our vacation. What in the week we usually get? We did get a week. Spent most of the time with the kids on the beach. We didn't go to the places we usually go. We didn't do the things we usually did. We just sat in the wind. And the wind was so bad I, I, I couldn't even fish much. But I did spend time with my kids. When I got home, I thought, you know what? I think that might be the best vacation we've had in a long time. I didn't watch any TV. I, I, I took time to have some space and to think. And to try to figure out what am I supposed to do? How do I lead my kids? What do I say? There's a time where you've got to say something. And there's a time where you've got to have some courage enough to say it. And what I keep coming back to, and what I think these verses are helpful to help us understand, there's still a mess going on. And that, that really, yet we haven't got into the whole morality issue yet. Let God be true and every man a liar. God's law is still in play. It is still wrong and sinful to lie to somebody. Whether it's in a sandbox to get what you want or up at Capitol Hill. It's wrong. It's sinful. It's, it's wrong and sinful to steal from someone. It is wrong and sinful to murder someone. And there's no way in which these are bent or changed and we understand them, do we live by them? And when things get as complicated as they are now, I think the best posture is to stick close to a God who you know is just and righteous and walk humbly. I think that's the best ticket. There's a tremendous amount of my side-ism going on. We could get into that. I'm deciding now it's probably better left unsaid. But the truth of it is 
with problems like this, and there are other problems, and there's good in this world and there's bad in this world. There are good people in this world who do noble things, sacrificial things, who do their jobs even though they go to work realizing it's not what I signed up for when I went through academy. And then there are bad things going on. Opportunistic violence is going on. But what I wanted to say to you this morning is don't get wrapped up in all the boasting that gets us so puffed up that we do think that this world revolves around us because it doesn't. And if we can trade that for humility, the Lord won't forsake us. He'll protect us, even if we're misunderstood. And I don't know that I'll ever outgrow the pain of being misunderstood. Just saying things these days pretty much guarantees you you're going to be misunderstood by somebody. And it stinks, and it's awful. But have the courage to do the right thing and say the right thing. You've been educated because you graduated. I didn't get a graduation, but I did graduate. And I graduated from Liberty and then Southeastern, but those were downstream and those were different. But in addition to your names that I'm going to read off here in just a few minutes, we're going to mention the schools you've graduated from, along with your plans for what's next. That all has to do with life, I guess you'd say, out in the world, right? You've kind of been raised within the bubble of a church. I want to talk about the bubble for at least a minute or two. Because in addition to out there in the real world where, and this is the fun part, after the graduation parties and the stuff that they put in your cards and hopefully you'll save most of that instead of spend it all. Spend some of it and have a good time. Because after this, the real fun starts. You are going to be required and I'm laughing at myself to stand on your own two feet. The process of handing over responsibilities to you started before now. But there's, there's a big truckload that gets dumped on you when you leave home. And in your, your, your academics, professor doesn't care if you even show up. He gets paid either way. Now again, it's a sin not to do your best. And your parents paying for this. That's the governor right there. But it's so different. You'll have to set your own alarm clock. When you get a job, you'll have to show up on time. You might even have to return your boss's call or text like that day. Just laughing. Y'all aren't laughing yet. No smiles. It's getting cold in here. You'll have to, you know, not play with your phone and actually do what you're getting paid to do. It's just called being an adult. But here's what I'm concerned with. You will have to demonstrate to the world, your parents, this church, and your creator, that you can stand on your own two feet, spiritually speaking. That's the crucible. And you come from a wealth of riches here at Wake Chapel. I've not been here two years yet, but long enough to know the heritage you've had and the leadership that has taken the responsibility to pour into you. That's your parents' responsibility biblically to provide for you spiritually. But this is about as good of a supplemental 
accountability program than was ever invented. And that's because it's by God's design. But depending on how long you've been here, that goes all the way back to Children's Church, maybe Upward, maybe Awana, lots of youth group stuff. I was part of putting that slideshow together. I, I, I know you've been part of those things. I read through what Seth gave me. You speak highly of this church. What you're going to need to do is take all of this with you and leave it here. And then do better than that. Pour it into the life of someone else. This is one of the bigger questions you're going to have to answer for yourself that a lot of Christians get wrong. This Christianity thing. Is this for me? Or is it for others? Because a lot of times, inadvertently, the way we teach young people, here, this is for you, do this, 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 this. It's as if... The whole Christianity thing is one major accessory to improve the quality of your life. That's not what it's for. That's part of it. But you were not redeemed to use all those grace gifts on yourself. You were redeemed to share those with others. And that's why even in a time like this, Christians can be reminded of how pitiful of job we actually do as being salt and light in the world that's going crazy so take it out of here pour it into someone else ask yourselves questions like this is my personal holiness as important to my roommate as it is to me should it be You're sitting with your parents look at them is their personal holiness of concern to you? That scares me to death. That my personal holiness has a lot to do with the personal holiness of my children. We're stuck together. One day you'll have children. Is your personal holiness important to your future husband or wife? These are huge questions. You'll have to answer for yourself. So what does the Lord require of you? Do justice. Love kindness. And walk humbly with your God. It's not complicated. And this is an attempt, for whatever it is, to try to let you know that this church is behind you. And moms and dads, it is grief mixed with with gratitude. And from my perspective, you got a lot to be proud about. I know some of these graduates better than others, but some of them, you need only look in their eyes and you can tell. You've done a lot right. Don't forget home. When you leave, write your mama. Don't be messy. Clean up your dorm. Call your boss. If your pastor texts you, at least respond. Have a good time. Watch what you boast in. Always think of the other person. Do yourself and the world a favor. 
And don't take yourself so seriously. Spare the world of one more person who thinks this world revolves around them. And then give the other person the benefit of the doubt. It's one thing I've learned in about, I don't know how many years. I'm still learning this. Most of the time we just flat out misunderstand each other. We do a good job of taking what we hear, mixing it all up, and interpreting it as something totally different than what it was meant to be. It causes a lot of problems, a lot of hurt, and a lot of pain. So just be forgiving because you're forgiven. And if you can do that stuff, you know, leave the uh, journey songs to other graduation speeches. Kid president. My favorite part was when he said, what if Michael Jordan had quit? Never made the team. He wouldn't have made Space Jam. A lot of people like Space Jam. This church is behind you. And we're proud of you. And we want to be of whatever help we possibly can. And we're glad to have you a part of this church. Let me pray. And then we're going to transition into handing you a Bible. We're going to do that, each of you one at a time. Seth's going to help with this, and then he's going to close in prayer. And then we're going to conclude the service with uh, that slideshow video. And uh, the folks at home will see this as well. And then we've got other things to do uh, outside as far as the drive-through goes. But uh, let me pray, and then we'll shift gears. Father in heaven... Thank you, the God of, of all good gifts, for what you've given to us. We have everything we need. We've got most of what we want. And Lord, we ask that you teach us these lessons that will be teachable. That humility will close our mouths and open our ears. That we'll walk with you, take on your characteristics. And perhaps make a difference in the world you've chosen for us to live in till we live with you. Lord, bless these graduates and their lives in front of them. Lord, may they be poured out as an offering that is sweet-smelling to you. Bless the parents and bless the families of this church as we're all in this together. Lord, we ask your blessings on what we're about to do, and we ask all this in your precious name. Amen.